And we're back. Q review, playoff preview slash first round recap. I'm your host, Chris Tracy, along with Theo Iatri. What is up, Theo? This is it, man. Getting close to the end here and uh, excited for round two, for sure. And Sean Crocker from Area 51 Sports Network. Sean, what up? Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm excited to be back on that. That was a freaking wild uh, first round day. Absolutely. I feel like we had some duds. You'd but... love to see it. Yeah, for sure. A lot of surprises, a lot of exciting series. This, I believe, is episode 23. I didn't check that before, but hopefully it's episode 23. Sounds right. And let's get right into it. So first off, we're going to do a little first round recap. Um, First series, we're going to take a look at Quebec, Charlottetown. Uh, Pretty easy 4-0 sweep for the Ramparts. 4-zip, 3-1, 8-2, and 5-1. Sean, biggest takeaway from that series? Just Quebec is king. I mean, I <laughs> don't know if there's really and, and any other way to put it. I mean, like, obviously, coming into this, Charlottetown was depleted from what they were at this time last year. But, you know, like, I think that that it, it really just goes to remind you that 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 Ramparts team can really beat you in a multitude of ways. And... And I think that they showed that. And I think we said that even on on, on, on the preview episode, just that that they're going to be a team that you're going to have to find different ways to beat, and you're not always going to be able to do that. So, I mean, you know, for a team, for a depleted team like Charlottetown, I'm not surprised it was a quick series. And, you know, kudos to them for sticking around where they could. But, you know, just that, that team's going to be so hard to knock out. Theo? Yeah, just, um, just utterly dominated by all sides of the ice goaltending up to the forwards just their power play was awesome too and i think that's and one player that stood out was um um oh no no robita he hasn't had the haven't had the best uh um second half of the year but now he's starting to step up i know i don't know his uh, point total yet but he was uh he was definitely noticeable and uh but just all those players are just absolutely nasty so it wasn't even fair yeah, so I was just going to mention this. Like, Robita, I said if Quebec is going to win the championship, he needs to step up, and eight points mm-hmm. in four games is stepping up to me. Yeah, there um, you go. On a pretty loaded team, eight points is not too bad. Um, next up, Sean, Halifax, Mooseheads, Cape Breton Eagles, 4 nothing sweep. Uh, 4-1, 4-3 in overtime, 8-2, 3-2. This is series was a lot closer than a four nothing sweep don't you agree sean well see like i i think it was a lot closer and i think that it you know like at one point especially in game two uh there was a point where it could have become really catastrophic for halifax and you know like in game one like like we we forget that they got outshot like what was it like a like 11 or 12 to 2 in the first like 10 minutes yeah. before uh Vitacek found a way to score and then they took the momentum there and then in game two they gave up that uh hat trick to Ivan Ivan before they got going so you know like it like and and they didn't really have that problem in the next few games but it makes you wonder if if there's going to be sort of a tempo issue and I think the deeper you get into the playoffs and against a Moncton team that uh just came off a hard-fought series you know I think that that's going to be dangerous and and you're going to have to come ready to play or you you risk falling behind so i think that that was my takeaway from that but like really like chris said it it was a lot closer than the score would imply like that one could have easily gone five six maybe even seven 
Uh, I'd like to point out that Lawrence, Dume, and Doucette combined for 28 points in four games. Uh, Zach LaRue had five assists in four games. Still not the production they really want out of him. They would like a little more, but Theo, what did you see? Yeah, something that like kind of surprised me. I know we were, I was talking to you this in class, Chris, a couple of days ago, but I don't know why Santi wasn't starting for some of the games. I was there for game two. Um, I don't know if he was injured at all. You guys might know, but I think it could have been a different factor. Maybe it would have went to five or six with Santi and that, but uh, I was at game two, and the whole the whole building was just electric. Uh, that building at Scotiabank just absolutely wired, and that's definitely a big factor for them as well. I think it's one of those situations, like, I don't think Shatney's better than Rucha. I don't think Rucha's better than Shatney. So I think with a team yeah. that's going to outshoot you like Halifax, you got to rest those guys. So I think they were going 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Yeah. So I think that's probably why you didn't see him no, in game fair. two. But uh, moving on, probably the most exciting series in the first round, Moncton 4, Bay Camo 3. Five of these games went to overtime. 4-3 Moncton. 4-3, Bay Camo in double overtime, 5-2, 5-2, 2 in overtime, 4-3 in overtime, and then 5-4 in overtime. Max Barbashev, the series-clinching goal. Jacob Steinman was good. Moncton can score. We learned that from this series. Theo, what did you see? Yeah, exactly like you said. That That's something that Halifax needs to be worried about because uh, just – all that top their depth is like almost just as good as Halifax. I know Halifax is strong, but like that, like first line, Barbashev and all those guys, just absolutely electric. And Bakemo put up a huge fight. We did not expect that at all. Um, but yeah, yeah. And Definitely Sean, we talked about this. In this tier. Sean, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but we said how Halifax outscores all their opponents, and you're worried about some of the defensive stuff. Moncton can score as well. How do you think that's going to fare when they play Halifax round two? Well, I think uh, the thing that really stands out for me is, it, you know, like I, I, I do say a lot of, do you, w- would you rather win in four and get some rest or would you rather win in seven and come in like sort of ready and battle tested? And, and, and I think the thing is, is that Moncton's had to find the way to score in tight situations. They've to find a way to get those breaks sort of straight for every bit that they've had there. And, you know, I think, I just think that that could spell a bit of trouble for a Mooseheads team who, who who might not be, like, as mentally ready for this now. That, But that's not to say that they're not putting in their prep. But, you know, like a team like Moncton, who's a little battle-hardened coming into this, you know, like, I think that that's my only concern for Halifax. It's just, how mm-hmm. how are you going to solve that? And how are you going to get into the game? Because, the, because frankly, Moncton's already in it. And, and, and you're going to have to find a way to get back in that mindset after being off for how many days? Like like a week? Yeah, that's a good point. Moncton's got the momentum right now going in. Like after OT win game seven, who knows what what uh, they're going to bring game one. Well, and, and that's the kind of thing that propels you on a deep uh, playoff run too, right? Like when, like when you closely contest game seven in overtime and then, you know, you kind of got the momentum. Maybe you could steal another series, so... I don't know. Like, I think the sky's the limit for this Moncton team, and I think that that could be dangerous for Halifax if their uh, if their big guns don't come out to play here early. For sure. Yeah, that'll be an exciting series, I think. Halifax and Moncton. Uh, next up, would you believe me if I told you that the Ramuski Oceanic beat Chikudami in five games? I don't think so. I don't think we would have said the same thing two yeah. weeks ago. That's for sure. 
What did we all say? Did did we all say Shakutami? We all I had Shakutami. Yeah, I, I, think. I think we all had Shakutami. Yeah, I can't remember what theories I had them in though. Big reason for that, Patrick Hamerla. As I said, uh, Ramuski doesn't really. Their top point getter was Will Dublin, fifty-eight points. Uh, they're going to rely on Hamerla, and they did just that because, you know, four-three overtime game, five-two, five-one, um, and then four-two. Like those are close games, and like if you don't have solid goaltending, that goes a completely different circle. And Sean, what did you think of this series? Well, I mean, I think that we did say that it's it's the kind of thing where if Ramuski can take advantage of the special teams, then it could be something that could swing in their favor. Um, and, you know, like it just seemed like it really did seem like Ramuski had that kind of feel right from the get go. And, and that Jakutami just didn't have that. And and I think that that's why it was a quick series. Otherwise, it might have gone a little further or Shakutami might have even eked it out in five or six. But. You know, like it just really felt like Ramuski the entire way there. And I don't know, like like to me, like that that's just a series that's all about the vibes. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. I wasn't a big watcher in this series, I can't even lie to you, but from like what I saw from the highlights, um, just the Ramuski rink, I didn't realize how electric that building is too. Like the I've been there, there before. It's sweet. Yeah. It's yeah, it's that, it's one of the smaller ones like Drummondville, eh? Yeah, and it, it's small but compact, and it um, definitely got the job done for the boys, and that could be a huge factor for sure. Well, the thing with the Ramuski rank is you're really into the game because there's nothing separating you between the benches and the crowd besides a piece of yeah. rope. So you yeah. really feel like you're in the game. And yeah, the train no, horn sure. is like – the train horn is the one we use on the podcast, and yeah. that horn is sick. That's why I use it. Um I, I looked down the playoff scoring leaders and the first Ramuski Oceanic player I see is Alex Blaze at 36th, <laughs> 36th place. Yeah. So that's what I mean. They're not going to win on scoring. They're going to win on goaltending. I was going to say defense, but I don't think I could name more than one defenseman on Ramuski. Uh, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not saying Ramuski is irrelevant, but I'm just saying like we don't really follow them that much. Yeah. I don't think anyone had them moving on. Yeah. Not just us, but in general. I think we all expected a competitive series, at least, even like especially from Shakutami, but it doesn't feel like we got that. Well, yeah, a four or five matchup, like that's just what you expect, right? Like a four or five yeah. matchup, most of the time is going to go six, seven games, usually. Yeah. Uh, so even close. More. You were talking, Sean, how close they are on special teams. Like they were pretty well exactly the same in pretty well every aspect. Yeah, and and you know, like then like frankly, that that's the difference. And you know, like like you said, like Ramuski's not going to score their way out of problems or score their way to win. But what they can do, like when when they need to, they can score by committee. And 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 I think that that's a big thing come the playoffs is like like especially when you don't necessarily have a massive star like a like along the lines of like a Justin Waugh or a, or a Jordan do made a boast, you know, like like when you don't have that, like you're gonna need scoring from down in your lineup and everyone's gonna have to pull together. And I think that that's just like a like pretty pretty much what happened there with Ramuski. Yeah. Uh, They're a big team I, too. 
I'd like to point out, since we just did the Moncton Bay Camo series, uh, Olivier Charlot on Bay Camo averaged 35 saves a game, and Jacob Steinman averaged 30 saves a game in that seven game series. Yeah, just pretty. That, that's crazy. We we had Jacob Steinman as a question mark coming into the playoffs, and he's proving everyone wrong. Probably a big reason oh, why Moncton won that series. Yeah. No, well, just a quick comment on that sure. too is uh, I think that just goes to show you that Moncton is able to play that kind of high event game that Halifax is going to bring, but they're also able to keep keep it to that low event game. So I think that Halifax is really going to have to figure out how, how you're going to adapt to that low event game because it's it's not even like scoring that drives this Mooseheads team. Really, it comes down to being able to create those chances, and when they're capitalizing on them, that like that's ultimately when they end up ru- running up the score to like eight, two against Cape Breton or like he, they, like they even beat Moncton 11 to three earlier this season. Uh, moving on. Does anyone have anything to say about Sherbrooke sweeping Blaineville? Absolutely <laughs> Besides not. Sherbrooke's nasty. Yeah, absolutely not. Well, you know, they got production from everyone. I yeah. think that that's, Pretty, pretty impressive and and like a guy that i i remember i brought up as kind of like an x factor was ethan goche he had seven points in four games and i think that i think he was playing on like the third line there for a little bit and then mid-season he kind of got like a little promotion there to the top six and to get noticed so for I think that, yeah like and that that's just definitely something that that they needed and he's showing like and and you know if that's something that can stick for right now like if he can continue to produce at the level he has been you know that that's just another dimension that they're gonna have beyond the first round and joshua 10 points in four games big factor there yeah i was just gonna say that joshua a huge factor all right so no one has much to say about that series not really much to say about that series um gatineau saint john um, four to one Gatineau, five games, seven, one Gatineau, nine, nothing Gatineau, three, two Gat or sorry, St. John 10 or six, nothing Gatineau, six, one St. John. So St. John didn't lose by any less than five in this series. Um, main takeaway, Theo. Uh, I mentioned last pod, Cam McDonald, just like on his revenge tour. Not sure how many points he got, but I did notice him a whole bunch. Um, just that—that that, that's what I mean. Like the, that depth that they got no has. Like I know Cam McDonald's not their star player, like Riley Kinney or anything, but they have like one of the best depths. That's why they're going so far right now, and that's uh, why they absolutely demolished Saint John. You know, one thing I will say about this is um. I think it's a very underrated fact that St. John actually lowered their ticket prices to to cram that building full. Like, like they dropped their ticket prices down to like seven bucks a pop. And it's like, I don't know, like, I think that more teams need to take a look at that. And because uh, from what I could tell, that was a pretty raucous building for a team that, you know, I mean, pretty much everyone, including us, basically said that they had no chance. And and clearly they're they're on the downtrend after so, sort of losing everyone there after the Memorial Cup last year. But. You know, I think for what yeah. it's worth, I think that they actually did bring a little bit of fight to this, and they did give Gatineau a little bit of trouble where they could. They even stole a game, but, you know, like, it just seemed that the firepower was too much, and uh, it seemed like late in the series, Luno kind of uh, found his rhythm, and and I think that once he found that, then it was just kind of... It, it was only a matter of time, really. 
Well, you can only yeah. play you can only play Burns, Reynolds, and DeRosh so long until you have to play those secondary guys, and it's tough against a team like Gatineau. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one who can come at you in waves too, right? And and you got to think of the matchups there. And and if you're St. John, it's like, okay, well, are are you going to look to sort of load up who you have on the ice, or or, or do you want to have a more balanced kind of approach and and you know, like it's it's lose lose because if you don't load it up, then you're probably not going to generate chances. If you don't spread it out, you're like your your bottom lines are just going to get eaten alive, and that's kind of what happened there. Next series here, uh, Drummondville four games to one over Victoriaville. All of us had Drummondville moving on. We know they're healthy. They're back. They're I don't know what you want to call them. They're good. They're mean. They lost in double overtime, 5-4. However, they won four straight. Um, Sean, what did you like out of this Drummondville team? Well, I think we actually... I think we were... Oh, you're, uh, Sean's cut out it. Yeah. You're cutting there, like, Sean. I think that they're kind of like, uh, <laughs> Oh, there we Sean's go. Sean's cutting. Oh, there we yeah. go. He's back. Just, uh, it's, restarted um, as if you. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think Drummondville is just kind of like, a, for lack of a better term, a meteor version of Moncton where they could beat you in a lot of ways and they can quite literally beat you. And, especially with a guy like Maverick Lamaru on the back end, you know, like it's a team that boasts toughness. Like you don't really get that level of just pure grit and toughness in the queue much anymore, because like you try to find that little balance of grit scoring and everything, but they're a team that can really bring it to you and they, they can really use their size to kind of bully you. And I think that that's kind of an underrated thing to their game. So, and, and I know we're going to talk about their uh, series here with Sherbrooke coming up, but, you know, I think that they're a team that could pose problems like simply because they're just they're big and they're mean. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you gotta emphasize like same like Ramuski, they're not gonna win on scoring. Uh Luke Woodworth was their top scorer, four points in five games. Um, so you know, you're not gonna win based on scoring. But yeah, you're you know, they played very well. They yeah, they did everything we wanted them to. Um, Theo, what do you got? Yeah, we were saying like who who were who uh, Drumville was gonna start Jake Jake Ubi or Kenny, and you guys were right. And um, yeah, Mercer. Was a huge, yeah, you said Mercer, didn't you? Mercer. Yeah, I said Mercer. Mercer yeah. started most of I, the game. I, I I was wrong. I think I said Gooby, but either or. Um, I think that was a Mercer played a, really well. Um, and yeah, just a gritty team. That's all I can say. Ruen Aranda, Shawinigan, Sean, you were wrong. Shawinigan did not win. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, close game. First, game. first game of the series, seven six double overtime. This was a pretty close you know? series, three two game. Uh, There's five three game in there. Um, Theo, what did you see in this? Yeah, this is kind of like the Ramuski and uh, Shikunami uh, theory. It wasn't really a. Uh totally watching it just like the other ones but um 
all like mostly high scoring game like for the first one just both uh i think they're just in it not not for um like to i don't know they have no pressure both these teams is basically what i'm saying like um Rouen, i don't know uh what next series is gonna be but um i think uh i think that's it for them just but the based off the they they are a big team and that's i think that's like what mostly they got for them but other than that I'm not too sure. Well, their big guys came out to play, like Tristan Allard, seven points in five games. Dylan yeah. Gill, their top defenseman, seven points in five games. Uh, Daniil Borash, nine points in five games. Um, Sean, you? I think it just goes to show, and I know I've been kind of preaching this through, throughout this whole show, is is the ability to stick with like the high event kind of game. And I think that, that they showed that. And Schoenigan clearly just didn't have the firepower, I think. You know, after losing guys like uh, the like the ones that they did last year with Borgo and Bork, like just losing those guys is like tough enough as it is. And and you know, you do kind of have to draft and really bring up that kind of talent. But you know, like frankly, like they just couldn't keep up, and it just goes to show you that Ron Oranda just they can play in that style of game. And I think that it, like it that that could come in handy for their next round series, whether or not it helps them get past five or six games, but no, nonetheless, I think that it's something that could definitely help them down the line. I will give it to you though. Um, Angus Booth, you said needs to step up for Shawinigan. He had five points in five games. Not bad for a defensive defenseman. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and you know what? I, I'm, I, I've always been pretty high on Angus Booth. I think that he's, he, he's the kind of defenseman that you, you, you almost, think he's bad watching him because he he's not flashy in in any given area like he, he he's like the epitome of a th- think of like an nhl defenseman who's going to give you solid defensive minutes but he's only going to chip in like 30 points a year you know like it's not really someone that pops off the sheet to you but you know he's he's, he's definitely a useful player so he's I, i'm glad he showed up at least and what's that he's an old-fashioned defenseman like what yeah. oh used very much to be, what used to be um, the the normal in the NHL before everything got super offensive. Uh, Angus Booth just plays like safe. I think the Kings got a really good one drafting him. Kind of kind of reminds me of uh, Ryan Graves a little bit. I know we were talking about that with uh, Justin at high button, Chris. Just a defenseman, defenseman. Yep, Justin said. Um, Justin said that Ryan Graves is going to play a thousand games. Uh, we'll see, yeah. but we'll see about that. You know, good defenseman, man. Loves <laughs> loves the plus minus, Justin said. He yeah, loves, loves the plus it, minus. Loves it, loves it. <laughs> All right, before we get into the second round, uh, we t- we talked about Lawrence and Dume, but Zach Dean and Riley Kidney combining for 24 points in five games. That's crazy. Etienne that, Moran, 13 points in seven games. And, yeah, so before we get into the second round... Uh, we had some fan art delivered to the key review. Um, oh, yeah, my little, my little cousin Mackenzie Legary uh, from Edmonton. Uh, she drew us a little picture of our logo. I don't know if you guys can see that, but oh, it's not bad. She's one of our biggest fans. Pretty so good. Shout out Mackenzie uh, for sending yeah, in thanks, that McKenzie. fan art. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I hung on to that for like two weeks. So <laughs> we're, we're thinking of you. We appreciate you supporting us always, yeah. Mackenzie. Um, yeah, all right. Again. So second round. First matchup, Quebec, Rabuski. 
Uh, Theo went off the screen. Sean, what do you got? Did I? Mike just is, oh, I guess the question I have is, so so this Ramuski team, like, kind of like Quebec, and in, in but not in a similar way, cruised through the first round. Um, but I guess the question is, like, it, it 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 always just comes back to Quebec. Can you stop their waves upon waves of attack? And and we've seen that they're not afraid to roll with the with sort of like the four center gauntlet going all the way down to the fourth line, and. That that's just a matchup nightmare, and I think for a team like Ramuski, who just frankly isn't as deep as Quebec, you know, I think that the question is how how are they going to match up, and how are they going to cope with the the wave upon wave, and you know, like I think I think for them it's going to be you're you're going to have to capitalize on almost every single opportunity you get, and if if you don't, then they're going to come down and capitalize themselves. So it's pretty much like a kill or be killed kind of scenario for Ramuski. I think it's how good can Patrick Hamerla play? If Patrick Hamerla doesn't play good against Quebec, they're going to not do well. Well, right? and that's it too, right? I mean, you know, it's 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 like the old adage, yeah, you, your goalie has to be your best penalty killer. Well, Patrick Hamerla, is, he, he's frankly going to have to be their best player. Yeah. You also, I said the top scoring player on Ramuski is in 36th place. Yeah, 36 plays, five points in five games. You can't outscore Quebec with that. That's not no. happening. So Patrick Hamerla needs to be the best player in this series, not for both teams. He needs to be the best player in the series. Uh, Theo. Yeah, um, I, I. this is a hard one. Uh, like, not a hard one. Like, I know Quebec's going to win, but um, just, like, how the series will go. I don't, like Ramusi's kind of a defensive team, so I don't think it's going to be too high of a scoring as uh, Quebec's last series. But um, I th- I think this should go five. Just Sean, how many games? Right about what? I said Sean, um, how many games? I think I'm with you on that five. Like I do see a world where Hammerla is the best player. Maybe not in this series, but in in a game, I could see him at least mm-hmm. stealing one. Wouldn't be shocked if it went six, but I think on the more realistic side is five. Wow, yeah. no sweep for the Ramparts. I got no, five uh, as well. I, I'm sticking with Ramuski on a win for sure. All right. Uh, Halifax, Moncton. Uh, Sean, you're the writer for Halifax, so we'll start with you. Um, what do you What do you like and what do you got for series? Well, I took some notes for this one here. Uh, so Halifax actually won the season series. Uh, I think it was like five to two. Four, four to three or five to two or something like that. But each time Halifax won, they they scored like six plus goals. And every time Moncton won, like it was kind of like going for the under, you know, it was like a four two, a five three game. And, uh, you know, in in the last series, uh, Moncton did well in, in the games that were pretty low scoring. J- Jacob Steinman, he's he's been pretty good. And, you know, the performances that they got from guys like Barbashev, Loshing, and uh, and especially Moran, like you mentioned, he he's near the top of the scoring leaderboard there. I think that that is something that they got going for them in in what's probably going to be the highest event series of of all the second round ones here. Um, and and you know, like like I said, they come out of the series against Baycomo, and now they're going to have to switch gears because you know it's it's going to be a completely different opponent. You're not it's not going to be one that you're going to bump and grind with and one that's kind of more similar to the style that you're looking to play, but instead you're really going to have to crank up the notch. And that's what Moncton's going to have to do. Um, 
ultimately I have the Mooseheads winning in six uh, with the possibility for seven, but I, I don't know, like the, the Wildcats have just looked so good on their home ice recently. And I, I, I think that there's reason to believe that, that that continues, but it it just feels disingenuous if, if you're saying Mooseheads in four or five, like in, in, because even historically, like look, looking at previous series between these two teams, they always go the distance. It's kind of like a Montreal-Toronto kind of thing. No matter how bad one team is, it's always it's it's always going to be a pretty good game. It's a guaranteed so, pro-line yeah. tie, Toronto and Montreal. Every time they play, I <laughs> hammer much. the tie. Every Except time. last time. <laughs> yeah, last, yeah. last time was rough for, sorry, you Habs fans out there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the fact that you look at the regular season series. Sean, you were close, 6-2-1. and one. Is that oh, what okay. you said? Yeah, 6-2-1. and one. Um, the lowest scoring game combined for seven goals. Yeah. You got eight, five, six, four, 11, three, six, four, five, four. Like this is going to be a high scoring series. Yeah. Uh, Theo, let's, uh, let's hear your take and your prediction. Yeah. So I got, I got Halifax in five. This is, uh, Sean was just, Sean was, uh, saying might be a low boat low, but. (laughs) I think uh, I don't know. Just don't don't get me wrong. Baycomo is a good team, but like from Baycomo to Halifax is just such a huge factor, especially in the playoffs. And um, I I just don't. I'm not saying they're not ready for it, but I just think Halifax is such a deep team, and, and Russo is a big factor in this. Um, if Russo keeps the low as tries to have a low scoring game, then it could be a big factor. See, I I think Jacob Steinman. Might be a hot take, but I think Jacob Steinman's the better goalie in this series. Yeah, yeah, um, you're not wrong. Probably, you know, Russo's playing in front of a team that will let up ten shots, twelve shots, and Jacob Steinman is going to be a lot busier in this series. And I think similar to the last series, like Steinman, if Moncton wants to win, has to be the best player for both teams. Well, we all- and, and and both both goalies are like it's. It honestly might be one of those series where whoever makes one more save, whoever makes yeah. that one extra save, is is going to be moving on. And, and and you know, like it's 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 one of those things where it really can end in five. You know, like if Halifax finds their scoring touch, Moncton doesn't have an answer for it, then it's going to be quick. But you know, like if Moncton can find a way to sort of harness this energy that they're taking from beating Baycomo in a highly emotional series, that could spell trouble for the Mooseheads early on because you know, like they might not be as ready as Moncton is. And that's not to say that they haven't done the prep for it, but it's just that Moncton's had to pretty much fight through hell to get here. And they were basically on life support there in overtime with a callback big Camo goal. So, so it almost feels like they're playing with house money here. Yeah. Like last series, Sean, you said Etienne Moran has to be the best player in the series. He was, and Moncton he won. was Jacob Steinman needs to be the best player in this series. And Moncton has a chance. If Jacob Steinman can stand on his head, I would give this seven games, but I'm going to go with six for Moncton. Or sorry. Yeah, like, I, I, like, well, I, I, I do think you have to give a bit of leeway here to the fact that not only can Halifax score, they could score in the big moments too. They can score when they need one. We saw it even in the first round, like we saw like Doucette show up in, in those big moments. Lawrence pulls through when his team needs a goal. Dumais always there to be a great distributor. And and even from the back end, we saw it with um Jake Furlong. He 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 had an excellent series and Russo came up big. So again, like all these 
big core pieces like it, it kind of works like a big cohesive unit and i i really do think as long as that unit keeps going along they will be fine but i think that this will probably be their biggest test of the season and, and i know that that's pretty easy to say like going into the second round of the playoffs but you know I, I i just don't think that they were as tested there in the first round so i think it'll be interesting to see how they respond all right, we got Sherbrooke, Drummondville. Theo, can Drummondville's magic continue? I'm not going to say it's it's going to continue, but I'm going to say it's going to be close. Um, I know that might be a hot take for everybody with Sherbrooke being an absolute squad, but Drummondville, they're, they're the underdogs, and obviously, and they have nothing to lose. I think they're just going to go full throttle, and if Kidney um, can, can win a couple of games, then that's huge. Um, I think that's all they can ask for, really. Um, Mercer like with John. Uh, Mercer, why did I say yes? It's brothers. My bad. Shit. Uh, Mercer. My bad. Um. Uh. Yeah. If he can steal a couple, then uh, then uh, that'd be uh that'd be way. But I, I I'm say sure. Broken six. Too much of a powerhouse. Sean, can it continue? I think it can. Um. I guess it's a matter of will it. Uh. Now I think it's another close series that I think uh, Drummondville does have the potential to shock Sherbrooke here. Uh. Like we mentioned, like we are gushing about their hard nosed style and 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 that they're they're really a team that can make you uncomfortable and make you play in these uncomfortable situations. Uh. But you know Drummondville's been pretty balanced so far. Uh. They haven't gotten a lot of scoring there from Pedal, who I expected to be a bit more of a factor. But he's finding ways to contribute in other ways. Um, and honestly, I think th- th- this one was actually one of the harder ones for me. Because, you know, like like Theo said, it's it's a team that's playing with nothing to lose. And there's almost nothing more dangerous than a team with nothing to lose. Because, you know, like what what's going to stop? Like, like you're not facing that pressure that Sherbrooke is. Sher- Sherbrooke finished uh, first in the West. Like, of course, they're not going to like ha- have that same level of pressure. So... I think if, if Drummondville can sort of seep into their minds, I think that that's what it's going to come down to. Don't fall behind too far early in the series. If they could do that, it'll be a long one. I do have Sherbrooke eking it out, but in seven. I was also going to say Sherbrooke in seven. I think Mercer's going to, you know, really come alive. Same with Steinman. Mercer has to be the best player in this series if they're going to win. Um, there was a shootout game in there this season series, 3-2 Drummondville. There was also... You know, some close games, uh, also some blowouts, but 5-3 Drummondville. You know, there was a 7-4 Sherbrooke, 7-0. Like, this, I think this series could go either way, really. I don't think it's as much of a blowout as some people might say. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a blowout at all. No. Yeah. And last series. And and, and I do think, uh, just one last comment here on the Drummondville series is, uh, is... I think like Sherbrooke who steamed steamrolled in the first round, you know, they got performances from all the guys that they needed to. I I think that that's a sign of what's to come because it it, it is one thing, you know, like sometimes you're waiting three, four games into a series before your stars start to get comfortable and and then they start to really show up on the score sheet, but they got going right away early and often. And I think that you almost have to think that that's an omen for, for what's to come there for Sherbrooke. Yeah, and one last note I want to make is that, you know, Drummondville, people forget Victoriaville at one point was the top team in the CHL. And so, you know, yeah. Drummondville 
Drummondville cruised by them. And so they're saying to themselves going into this series, listen, we're, we can do this. We're not necessarily a huge underdog. Like we can do this and they'll believe in themselves. And I think that momentum will really drive them through this series. And last series, we got Gatineau, Ruin, Noranda, Sean. Uh, you know, well, Ruin Noranda showed against Schoenigan they can roll with the punches. They can play in that high event game. And I think they're going to have to do that against Gatineau. But, and, and you know, like I think they're going to have to score their way out of problems. But, you, you know, will they be able to do that with uh, the goalie's name is uh, evading my name over in Gatineau? LaPena? I know you guys. Yeah, LaPena. Francesco LaPena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I know you guys like talk, talk about him quite a bit. Um, oh, we love him. Oh no, absolutely. And, and, and what's not to love, you know, he's a goalie who could steal you games and in front of a good team like that, you know, like his, his job isn't incredibly hard, but I think, uh, you know, it comes down to can ruin around and make his job hard and can they make the, the job for the stars hard? And ultimately I've got no taking this one in five because, you know, obviously you're fighting fire with fire here. You're trying to outscore a team that can out, that will outscore you. So, you know, I, I just don't really see much of a path here for Ruin Aranda, but you know, they, like they're going to have to make life hard. So, uh, cool fact here: I was looking at the season series. Uh, first four games were essentially one goal games. There was a six four in there, but since the trade period, Gatineau six two, Gatineau five two, Gatineau six one. So these teams were very very close until the deadline. Yeah. And so that just goes to show yeah. the impact that the moves Gatno made are having. Uh, Theo, what do you got? And Sean, you said in how many games? Five. Five games. Okay. Theo, what do you got? Yeah. I, I got the same thing. Uh, Flapena, he doesn't have to do much, but all he can do is stop Pox. And if he does that, I think that's a huge factor. And from Schwinnigan, that's the rule I played Schwinnigan, right? Am I tripping? Yeah. Last series. Yeah. From Schwinnigan to. To Gatineau is a huge, huge step, and uh, I just don't think they got the heat in them. And maybe I'm wrong though, but I got uh, Gatineau in five. And I mean, Frankie Lapena like didn't have an easy series last series. Uh, he made 128 saves in those five games, which is an average of 25 and a half. And for a team with Gatineau's caliber, that should not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gatineau's defense, I think, really needs to step up. Tristan Leno, he's playing great. Um, but it's like those those bottom guys like Bhutan, Masonov, they really got to step it up, eat up some minutes. Noah Warren's out, so I mean, someone's got to do it, right? Well, well, I think that that's the tough thing too is that you can't just say, okay, uh, Tristan, you're going to absorb all of uh, all of Noah Warren's minutes, but you know, there's only so many minutes to go around, and you can only play so many minutes in game. Like I, I think that like realistically, you you're talking like the max that you should be playing is 30. And even then you're, you're looking to go on a deep playoff run. Tristan Luno cannot be playing 30 minutes this early into the playoffs. We're still in the first half of it. Uh, only 25% of the way through. And so again, like, like you said, Chris, they're going to need more commitment there from the bottom pairing guys. And just to take that heat off of Luno, like if, if the series starts to get out of hand, Maybe you could take your foot off the gas with him a little bit, but you know, I think for all intents and purposes, I, I don't think Luno is going to be playing less than twenty-five a night. Nor, nor should he with the way those bottom guys played. 
Yeah, and I think they really need to like take a look at this defensive core because Isaac Bellavo, we don't talk about him. He's a Pittsburgh Penguins draft pick, right? Uh, they also got, we said Noah Warren, Olivier Boutin. He's a good defenseman. Uh, Antoine Michaud, Charles Antoine Pilot. Like, this team's good, and the defense is good. They shouldn't be playing. They don't need to play Tristan Liddell 40 minutes a night. That's ridiculous. No. They have plenty of depth. There's no excuse to be, you know, doing that. That's just that's gonna kill them in the long run. I there's another defenseman that's slipping my brain that I can't think of. No, maybe it was Noah Warren. And yeah, they have to eat his minutes. Like Noah Warren, I'm pretty sure was second on that team in ice time. Yeah. And so someone's gotta step up. Yeah. Uh, Sean, how many, or was it Theo? How many games, Theo? I said five. You said five too. I'm also yeah. going to yeah, go got five. Same. Part of me wants yeah. to say sweep, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it would be kind of like a St. John, uh, um, got no kind of situation. Yeah. Like Frankie LePena just one. needs to not get shots. Yeah. Well, look, if 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 St. John can beat them once, I'm sure Ruin Naranda can beat them once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that'll do it for our playoff recap and predictions. Uh very exciting day today. The QMJHL uh Golden Puck Awards, the <clears throat> nominees were announced. Um we're just gonna go through some of them. Some of these are like hard to choose, but offensive rookie of the year, that's getting announced tomorrow. You're Nominees, Felix Lassert from Schwinnigan, Maxim Massey from Chikudami, Thomas Verdon, Ruan Noranda. Sean, who is your pick offensive rookie of the year? I don't know. I, I, I might be a little biased because I've seen a bit more of them, but Maxim Massey, I just think mm-hmm. dynamite player and, you know, one who definitely has potential to make an impact here for a few years. So I, I think he's my pick. Theo. Yeah, Maxi Massey, too. Always talked about him on the pod. Um, yeah, and he deserves it. Just a good two-way <clears throat> forward, too. He's good on the defensive side, but even better on the forward side, offensive. I'm going to take a wild card here, and probably not because Massey leads the team in points, or sorry, leads rookies in points, but Felix Lassert, um, 52 points in 67 games, leads the team for Shawinigan. Uh, big reason why they made the playoffs. Why they're in wait? Why they were in fifth? Um, one person I'm surprised is not on here. However, his name's slipping my mind. Matthias Malovsky, Bay Camo, mm. uh, nine points in that first series, first round. Also led rookies and assists. Um, so uh, next up, defensive rookie of the year, Gabe Diagla from Victoriaville, Marcus Kiersey, Charlottetown, Jacob Simon, Moncton, Theo. Ah, uh, that's a hard one too. Ch- ch- you said defensive, but it, you you were talking about goalies, eh? No, no, Kiersey's not a defenseman. Or sorry, Wait, what'd Kiersey's you say? Not a what'd you say? It's defensive sorry, rookie of the year. Oh yeah, so yeah, I was gonna say Stein, but um, uh, just for that's the, yeah, I'm going with him. I'm going with him, <laughs> Sean. I, I on honestly I do have to roll with him too. Just yeah, it's 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 pretty easy in my head personally. Yeah. Not much. Steinman's the Steinman's a main reason why they're in third place. He went on like yeah. a, I want to say nine game win streak. 
to end the season. Like mm-hmm. he's a very good goaltender, and it's yeah. scary that he's a rookie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Top professional prospect, Mike Bossy Trophy, Matt Cataford, Halifax, Ethan Goche, Sherbrooke, Etmrm, Moncton, Sean. You know, I think just based on his development curve, I think I have to roll with Etienne Moran. Like I, I, I talked about him quite a bit. I think he, he, he's the kind of guy who, over like throughout this year, he's probably been one of the faster risers on draft boards, and he's just evolved his game so much from just being a guy who can purely generate offense, but he's become a lot more physical off the puck and just better play. Like without, he's worked to become a better rounded defenseman. So, you know, like I think like for a guy who who's improved as much as him and who's just added different elements to his game. Like, I definitely think it's got to go to Moran. Um, if you're a GM, Sean, what position are you taking at TMRN? Mid twenties. Mid twenties. Okay. He Probably mid twenties. Yeah. Round. Yeah. He was outside yeah. the first round most of the season. Yeah, no. And well, and, and I think recently in NHL central scouting, I think he's in the top, 20 there for for north american skaters if i'm not mistaken but uh i i know some draft boards have him as high as 19 i think i saw once um so you know like he, he he's one of those really rangy guys but you know like it, like if i'm an nhl gm like i'd probably be comfortable taking a guy with his toolkit uh probably in like around 25 but you know like if if we're talking like he's slipping between 35 and 40 i think that that's probably the slam dunk time to grab him if he falls that far yeah i think i only saw atmrm play once it was that 11-3 game in moncton and while most guys on that team were invisible that night atmrm was not he was very clearly the best player on his team uh another him and steinman big reasons why they are so high uh theo who's your top professional prospect um, I, I was going to go with Catafor. Um, might be a hot take because of Halifax, but everybody talks about that first line and Dume and all those guys, but no one's given enough credit to Catafor. Just him getting invited to the CHL prospects game. He was electric there. I think he got a goal there as well. And um, yeah, he's just not been talked enough. about. Nah, I think he deserves it for sure. The Emile Bouchard Trophy Defenseman of the Year. Uh, you got... Frederick Bernay from Victoriaville, Tyson Hines from Sherbrooke, Tristan Leno, Gatineau, Theo. Yeah, Ty- I, I got to go with Tyson Hines. Uh, just like for Sherbrooke, such an offensive team, but with Tyson Hines, he can do both um, offensive defenseman and um, he the world junior champion. He deserves it, I think. On. I think it's hard not to get the guy uh the defenseman and scoring and Tristan Luno, 83 points in uh, 65 yeah. games. Like that's just absolutely, absolutely. ridiculous for a draft plus one defender. <laughs> and where, yeah, no, absolutely absurd. Yeah. 83 points in 65 but games is that's absolutely not effective, but you know, not uh, he's glitching yeah Sean's Johnny. glitching oh well 
I think he'll he'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Sean. I'll just, I'll just edit <laughs> this out. That's fine. Yeah. I've returned. Gee. You there? <laughs> Shoddy. <laughs> you there? I'm back. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Oh, there, there he is. I've there returned. He is. He's returning. Uh, I can... Uh... I'm just going to edit that out. So just act like you were talking about Mar- or, uh, Leno again. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can yeah, hear you now. Yeah, I just can't see you. <laughs> you good? Oh, Oh, yeah. You good now? My goodness. Is that all right? Uh, just talk as if you were talking about Leno again. Yeah, I'll edit the rest extremely... Is this good? Yeah, you're oh. good now. Oh, I think you're good. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So, uh, so how much did you hear that? None, just, that's what I mean. Just restart, just pretend you were okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I think it's got to go to Tristan Leno. I think uh, for a guy who put up 83 points in the regular season as a draft plus one defender, he he got better as the season went on. And he had to pick up the slack there for Noah Warren. And, you know, to be a number one defenseman on, on a team that good, you know, like uh, a lot of people say, you know, obviously the team around you elevates you. But I think Leno was probably the guy uh, who elevated his team the most. I would say that he's probably the... Like I, I th- this might be going out of limb saying it, but he's probably the best player on that team. Probably like the the one who makes the most impact in the most areas. So, I they, like to to me it's easy Tristan Leno, but you know I do think that the other uh, options there are probably worthy. But you, you know it's it's got to be Tristan Leno for me. Any other season, I think it would be either of those two. Um, <clears throat> Tyson Hines, that's a good pick, Theo. I mean he's he was up for defensive defenseman of the year um mm-hmm. freddie brunet had a good season especially coming over from ramuski um he really came out of his shell and so but i think i think it's got to be Leno. 83 yeah. points I, I, is nuts for a defenseman yeah i think we know Leno is gonna win i was just trying to be different you know <laughs> okay so just two more of these uh ron lapointe trophy coach of the year um, Sylvain Favreau from Halifax, Stefan Julian from Sherbrooke, Kara Millette from Victoriaville. I want to know where is Louis Robitaille from Gatineau? Honestly, yeah. Mm. Where where's Louis he Robitaille? Built, he built a squad. He built a squad for sure. That's Come my on, pick. Man. There we go. What? That's like my pick. 20, 20, 27 game win streak. You. He's also the GM. He's up for GM of the year and his defense but coach of the year man like no offense to carl Millette, but come on like gat gat no this is one of the best gat no teams of all time mm-hmm. and there's been some pretty good teams oh yeah like come on like luke robitaille was on the team claude Giroux, mm-hmm. max talbot jose theodore like th- this team's good like i would debate that they're one of the Definitely top three. I think so. Yeah. In the in the CHL too. 
Okay, so no Louis Robitaille. Sean, who's your coach of the year? I got to give this to the man of Victoriaville. You know, like uh, I, I think it's a team that really – it's a team with st- still a bit of runway with this group. Um, it was it really wasn't do or die, but, you know, like I think that they exceeded expectations. So, I mean, for the award for who it will will or should or shouldn't go to, I think it usually goes to the overachiever award and – and I think that that, that it's kind of that, even though he, he's done a fantastic job just getting this team to sort of maintain the tempo. You know, he got them hot out of the gate and uh, sort of sort of got them to, to maintain. They slipped a bit there near, near the end. But, I, but you know, like for for the majority of the season, he had them playing the right way there. And and, and I think that that's going to have a resonating impact heading into next year. So it's it's it's, it's, it's definitely the man in Victoriaville. Okay, now I'll ask you this. You also agreed that Louis Robitaille should have been a nominee. Uh, you think Carl Millette from Victoriaville should win. Which candidate are you kicking out to put in Louis Robitaille? Who are the other two? You said Sylvan Favreau. Sylvan Favreau and Stefan Julian, Sherbrooke's coach, who also led the team Craig. to a World Junior Championship. Those are all good picks. That's a hard one. I, you know, oh man, yeah, that is a hard one. I would say, I don't know, because I'm not, I would say Sherbrooke. That might be a hot take because they're such a hot squad. But like, since Sean was talking about it, I don't think they're, they were definitely an overachiever, but like Victoriaville, they, they weren't supposed to be that good um, this year. So that's why I take Sherbrooke. I think we're expecting Sherbrooke to be good already. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm still thinking about that though, because. You know, for a team that's played at such a high level all season with Halifax, and then they just added a few more pieces to the Infinity Gauntlet there with Josh Lawrence and Alex Doucette, you know, like, it it does take a good coach to coach good players. Like, that, like there is a perception that that there isn't. But, man, like, that that is a tough one, though. Well, because you could say, you know, Sherbrooke was first in the West. Yeah, but Halifax had a uh, franchise record point streak. Mm-hmm. You can skip it if true. you want. You can skip it if uh, you want. You, you know what? I would keep Sylvan Favreau in there. I might sound a little biased on that. But no, like you do make a good point because it, it like again, like that that franchise setting point streak, that really set them up for the season. And even after they lost that point streak, they kept it going. They kept it rolling. You know, like when when that team had every reason to sort of take their foot off the gas, he he kept them going. So you know, I think that that's an excellent point to make there. And, 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 you know, like for me, I think that that's what puts it over the edge. I think you got to keep Favreau in there. And Theo, you picked. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Victoriaville too. Sean was spot on. Um, just uh, like keeping uh, Daigla like in, in the uh, regular season a lot, like um, not a lot, but still put him in, in there as a 16 year old and as a 15 year old at the start of the season. Just, um, yeah, just an overachiever for sure. All right, uh, last one. Uh, Michelle Briere Memorial Trophy, most valuable player. Jordan Dumay, Halifax. Josh Washerbrook. And Nathan Darvo, Victoriaville. Sean, who are you picking as the most valuable player in the QMJHL? I think it's got to be Dumay. I I don't know. Like I I I I just think when you score at that clip, a guy who 
can literally quite al- quite almost literally play with anyone. Like I think that we've seen all- him with almost every combination this season. Like he he's been very versatile. Um, and and I do want to find like I there there are definitely reasons, especially for Darvo, but you know like I think Joshua uh, is a very close runner up in this, but. You know, like I think for Dume to sort of be the catalyst for every single, every time he steps on the ice, he he was a catalyst. And and how how many six point nights or did did he have? He had like four six point games or something like that. Yeah, he had a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think that that's a little hard to argue with. All right, and Theo. Yeah, I I have Dume. Um, just. An absolute absurd player. Um, he doesn't really get talked about in the CHL as a whole. Um, right behind, I think he's still behind Connor Bedard in points, was he? I think Bedard blew him out at the end of yeah, the year. Yeah, probably. probably. Um, but still, um, just a absolute powerhouse. Um, not, nothing really to say. Um, people kind of harp on his defensive ability. Um, and as he's a small guy, but he still gets the job done and puts the puck in there, and that's all that matters. Boom. I mean, Nathan Darvell, great season, 234 mm-hmm. goals against average, uh, 929 save percentage. The one thing that doesn't impress me is his record's only 27 and 22. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think really as a goalie, fault. to well, well, to get well. It's not really his fault, but, you know, for a goalie to be really considered, like, I think goalies are kind of held on a, like a bit of a different pedestal here. And and it sucks, but like a goalie does have to steal a ridiculous amount of games to be considered for an award like that. So well, I think that that probably eliminates them. You're hearing in the NHL that Linus Allmark is like one of the reasons he's not being considered for the MVP is because he only played 40 games. Mm hmm. How can you? How can you be a, the and most? Plus, he has a powerhouse in front of him. Yeah, uh, you know what? This makes me think of the 2013 Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, Zach, listen, Zach Vukali, great goalie. Okay, but Zach Vukali probably, on average, faced 11 shots a game. <laughs> Just yeah. like to throw that that out there. No, no, that is true. You are, you are right. And that's why yeah, I said well. in the. That's why I said in the Halifax Moncton series that Jacob Steinman, I feel, is the better goalie in the series. Mathis Rousseau is giving me Zach Fucali vibes sometimes. You know, it's easy to be a good goaltender when your team's leading ten to nothing. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and uh, and it's easy to 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 equate those things to defense when when your team's playing with the puck in the other end all game long, right? Like. Like when you have that sustained offensive pressure, like people say, like, oh, well, they only allowed one goal. That, that like they're they're a terrific defensive team. But when you have, when you always have the puck and you're always driving it in deep and like sort of holding the zone in the way that they do, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to only let in one goal. So I definitely see where you're coming from there. And I think you know what? I think MVP depends on the definition that you use. The NHL, it's most valuable to your team. To me, Nathan Darvo is the most valuable player on the Victoria Viltigra. Um, Jordan Dume is a great player. He has lots of weapons around him. Lots mm-hmm. of weapons. Josh Waugh, same thing. Uh, yeah. Victoriaville's not where they're at this season without Nathan Darvo. Mm-hmm. 
because his numbers are sick, like his goals against and save percentage. But if you look at that record, that's just proof that Victoriaville is not a scoring team. Yeah. Right? Because you got right. Darvo saving, well, on average, uh, letting in two goals. That just means Victoriaville's losing games 2 1, 3 2. Right. So it, yeah, yeah. it all depends on the definition. This could really go anyway. I well, think. well, I do think that it is supposed to be most valuable to your team. And it like I a way I kind of look at it is where would your team be if that player got hurt? I think if Dume got hurt, obviously the Mooseheads aren't scoring at the clip that they do. But, you know, like I still, still think that they fine. could survive. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and the same goes for Sherbrooke. But, you know, like without Darvo, like I don't. I don't even know if Victoriaville is, is, is nearly as good, you know, like I think that he did steal some wins there along the lines that really put them in a good seating there. But, you know, like, like Chris said, like, like that just goes to show you Victoriaville is not a high scoring team. So, you know, like I do think that context matters here. So, I mean, I mean, I think that that's an excellent point on Darvo. If McDavid and Dreisaitl got hurt, would the Oilers be good? If Marner and Matthews got hurt, would the Leafs be good? You know, it's stuff like that. That's what MVP means to me. Um, yeah. Most valuable player to your team. Who really is... Now, if you say most valuable player in the league, that's different. That's yeah. that's like best player in the league. Yeah. But if that was the case, you would call the trophy the uh, most outstanding player, right? That's... Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what they do with the, the NBA. The here you go every year, Connor McDavid award. Yeah, yeah, Connor McDavid, the Connor McDavid trophy, the Connor McDavid show. Anything you guys want to add? No, that was it. That was uh, thanks, Sean, for coming on again. That was great insight for sure. Yeah, no problem. I honestly thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to round two. I'm especially looking forward to uh to the uh festivities here in Halifax. It might be I might actually be going to game two on yeah. Saturday night. So I'm su- su- super excited for that. But you know, like it's it's gonna be good. Uh I was saying to my mom earlier today that 10 year old me would at would be absolutely livid with me right now because I grew up in Moncton. Mm-hmm. I grew up a huge Wildcats fan and I loathed the <laughs> moose heads. And uh but like it like it feels a, a, a little weird now being on on the this end of it but you know like i'm i'm really rooting for both teams here and you know i think that that's going to be the highlight of my uh round two here okay um very quickly aside from halifax moncton because obviously that's the two series the series you two are excited for what series sean outside of halifax moncton are you excited for um i'm just gonna pull up my list here Honestly, probably Drummondville Sherbrooke. Uh, I I, I think that that one might be a little easy one there, but you know, I actually kind of want to go see the scoring fest in uh, in Gatineau. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'll be watching Drummondville just because at the start of the season I said Drummondville was going to be good, so I need to <laughs> really look at my you word. Back um, that up, eh? Go for I the gotta, vindication. I got to back it up, so I <laughs> think I have to cheer for Drummondville. Yeah. But absolutely. Go. You know, plus Maverick and Luke, friends of the show. You got to support yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So that was it. Uh, episode, like I said, hopefully 23. Key review brought to you by Barely's House of Blues and Ribs, downtown Halifax. Theo, Sean Crocker. We will see you guys next week. Round two. Here we go. Get fired up, fans.
Wow. Thanks, guys.